three and one. And Garver drives it to left. It is deep and long gone. Into the second level. And the Twins take a three-nothing lead. All right. That was Mitch Garver hitting one of his seven bombs so far on the season. Courtesy of Fox Sports North. Mackey and Judd with Rami on Score North. And uh, if you are new or haven't heard, we have a five-day-a-week twin show. It's called the Score North Twin Show. Monday through Friday and a rotating cast of hosts. These two guys, myself, Glenn Perkins, is part of the Score North Twin Show. Patrick Royce and uh, all kinds of uh, great twins. Score discussion. North first place. Twin the show. Score North first place twin show. Yes. That's right. Yes. Derek Wetmore. So, Jason, we just spent the first segment talking about how it's if you're a fan or you're in the media, you tend to judge front offices on the surface by what they did in free agency because it's the only thing that you can really wrap your arms around, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, the, and the Twins have made a bunch of bets behind the scene. I mean, the Twins spent some money in free agency, Nelson Cruz and Jonathan Scope, et cetera. But the Twins made some bets behind the scenes, and we're never going to know all the inner workings, and said, we can squeeze way more production out of some of the guys in-house, like Mitch Garver has seven home runs in April uh, into early May, and they, they pluck Martin Perez for 2 or $3 million off the free agency uh, used DVD bin. And if you looked at his numbers in Texas, he had a 6 ERA in Texas. He hasn't been good in five or six years, and he's... 5-0 and with a 2.5 ERA, and his strikeout rate has doubled. And I guess the question is, do you have any idea what smart teams are doing to develop players the way that they are and like maybe some of the, the stuff that the Twins are doing behind the scenes? Like, What's your best guess as to what's clicking in some of these instances? <laughs> well, yeah, there's some luck involved. But uh, let's start with the first premise, is that the team that wins the winner almost never wins the World Series. right? That that It seems so simple when we're trying to... F- you know, write those winners and losers columns, but it's never that simple. So I think we agree on that part. Then I, I think the next thing you have to remember is there are so many ways to get to the parade floats. Nobody has a patent on how to do this. It's definitively better than anyone else. And if you start looking back at the teams that won the World Series, they're just so different, right? The Giants and the Royals did it so differently than the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Astros. So there are a lot of ways to get to the same place. Um, But there is a science to it now that we've never seen before, and teams are pouring over the sophisticated data that they've got that they didn't have in the past. And, you know, they can look beyond the results of a Martin Perez, right? and look at spin rate, and look at underlying metrics that, that, that tell them, with a slight tweak, this guy can be way better than he's been. And, you know, the Astros have had a lot of luck doing stuff like this. The teams that win do have success finding players <laughs> who we believe to be at the margins, who really still have talent. Jason, how uh, secretive do you think the teams have also become because of the amount of information out there now and, and how, how it's used? I mean, baseball, baseball. I think, uh, for a long time, was the one sport where information was shared with the public, with us, and things like that. How much are we going uh, down a bit of a football path now, though, where it's so competitive and there's so much uh, v- valuable information that we know and don't know that they are becoming more secretive about sharing that? 
Uh, yeah, at a certain level. There's so much cool publicly available information now that obviously there's no way to keep that from getting around. And even all the StatCast data, now I wouldn't say it's all available, but a bigger chunk of it's available now than it has ever been. And we can all look at it and have fun with it and think about it and try to determine the meaning of it. And guys like Eno Saris, who I work with at The Athletic, can pick it apart and come up with all kinds of incredible insights. But there's all this next-level info that teams have to be protective about because, let's face it, all teams now think at least somewhat alike. You know, there's just almost nobody left that's doing things the way they were done even 10 years ago. Everybody's trying to think at a level that allows them to find an edge that the competition hasn't discovered yet. Um, And that is hard. The other thing to remember is it's not just about numbers that there's just, there's so much high tech stuff that teams apply now. I, I spent a lot of time a couple of springs ago with the high performance group that the Blue Jays put together. And these are like the smartest people I ever met in my life. And they're not from here. <laughs> they worked in European sports, football and soccer and rugby, because those sports were so far ahead of us for so long. And they study everything that goes into peak performance, nutrition and sleep studies, wearable tech, you know, how you balance different types of workouts and training, how to set up your hotel room. It's incredible. But do they have the secret? No, there is no secret. But that doesn't mean you can't optimize in every way. Has this information age, and we're talking with Jason Stark of the Athletic and MLB Network, has it leveled the playing field to some degree? Because with the lack of a salary cap in the past, if you couldn't spend with the Yankees, chances were you couldn't compete with the Yankees, at least not on a consistent year-to-year basis. Every MLB franchise can afford an information and analytics department, and and we see the ripple effect of that if you can use that information effectively. Has it leveled the playing field to where markets like Milwaukee and Minnesota can compete consistently with the New York's, Boston's, L.A.'s, and Chicago's of the world? Um, You... You know, you, you've left out the number one think tank going, the Rays. True, yep. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and so I guess you can say that it has to some degree, but, um, you know, I've sat with the Rays people even in spring training, and they have vented to me about how they used – I mean, their, their whole mission is we can't outspend you, we have to outthink you, and that's harder now than it's ever ever been. You have to be willing – to try stuff that's never been tried. You know, the opener really had been talked about and thought about, even written about, never actually been tried. And then they did it. It's worked. And I think they understand the limitations of it, but it's the kind of thing that certain teams now feel like they have to experiment with to find an edge because everybody is thinking largely the same. Yeah. I just find I, I I I'm not saying that this this was a zero sum game in free agency for the Twins, but I know that they had they were given permission to spend more money than they spent, and they chose to not sign Dallas Keuchel up to this point, uh, needing starting pitching help. 
So you could make a you could make an argument that the Twins chose to sign Martin Perez for three million as opposed to a former AL Cy Young Award winner and World Series winner Dallas Keuchel for let's say fifteen to twenty million dollars, while getting criticized by fans. I mean, think about whether you're the Twins front office or the I mean the Rays aren't spending on any free agents really, but if you're in that middle ground and you're getting torched by fans and media. To stick to your convictions because the analytics and the data and the things that fans can't see say that this is the correct move. I find that interesting too, Jason. Oh yeah, and that, you know the thing to remember is that the Twins and really most teams now they they really don't care about what you did. They care about what they think you're going to do. Yeah, and what what they can project that you're going to do. And you know the problem that Dallas Keuchel, since you picked that name, the problem he has is his underlying metrics gave teams no confidence that investing $100 million in him or whatever it, it looked like it was going to be this winter was a good idea. It, and it still apparently hasn't looked like a real good idea because he's still out there. Crazy question then. Are, are we getting to a point now where investing in pitching or at least investing too much is going to be seen as a mistake because of the fact that these guys break down so easily, or seem to at least, uh, probably compared to other positions, Jason Stark? You know, it, it, you have to take it case by case, but I think the rule, the rule of thumb, you should remember with every pitcher is, they all get hurt. Yes. They do. You know, 50% of all starting pitchers go on the disabled list every single year. And so it's likely that that guy you sign if he's on to a six-year deal, it's likely he'll be on a disabled list in three of those years. And, you know, there are going to be special talents who come on the market at a certain age. I think Garrett Cole will be one of them this, this coming winter, who are worth the investment. I was amazed that teams thought Patrick Corbin was worth the investment because, you know, if you looked at what he had done, there really been only one season where he performed at an elite level, and it wasn't that long ago where he got bounced out of the rotation, got sent to the minors, and he got the biggest and longest and richest contract of any free agent so winner. So it, it, it just remember that it's not about what you've done. It's about projecting what teams think you're going to do. So age and projections have never mattered more. Jason, last night we had a uh, a no-hitter in Major League Baseball. I don't know how many people knew that until this morning because the game was on the West Coast and delayed <laughs> for a power outage. But Mike Fires, if you haven't heard, threw a, threw a no-hitter last night. I feel like the no-hitter is sort of ho-hum in baseball today. I know my, my, my cohort here, J- Judd Zulgad, is not all that impressed or entertained by, by a no-hitter. Is that still a special thing to you? Well, I, I think it's in, in a lot of ways depending on how it unfolds, it's going to be more special when one guy does it as opposed to five pitchers combining on it because it's getting so rare in an age of pitch counts for anybody to complete anything. Um, Mike fires through 131 pitches last night, and no pitcher in baseball has thrown 130 pitches since the last time he did it in a no-hitter four years ago. Wow. And so who are you willing to allow to throw a hundred and thirty pitches. Mike Fires. Yeah, Mike Fires. Yeah, Mike, come on. Yeah, we got the answer. Thirty-four-year-old guy to one-year contract. Right. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. 
But, but you know, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to be at three no-hitters, and the drama and the emotion as they build inning to inning, batter to batter, even pitch to pitch at the end, are phenomenal entertainment. But if we get to a stage where the pitcher is always going to come out after 97 pitches and now four relievers are going to finish up, there's nothing that exciting about that. Just like, hey, you, you know, Tiger struck out 20 times in a game a week or so ago. The first two times they did it, Roger Clemens struck out 20, and Max Scherzer struck out 20, and those were memories for a lifetime. And in this game, I think it was four pitchers combined to strike out 20, and nobody even knows it happened because it's just a game where the ball was never in play. Yeah. So that's why it's changing and how it's changing. Uh, you just rattled off some uh, facts and information. I feel like that was a good uh, warm-up bullpen session for trivia here where Jason Stark from The Athletic and MLB Network attempts to stump Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We're ready to rock here. We got the game show music fired up for you. Uh, I got to save the music, man, for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I'm ready. All right. Let's okay, do this. Here we go. I got my week Martindale hat on now. You know, it's, it's shutout week in Minnesota, right? They store shut it every night, but... <laughs> That's how they. That, it's, it's become, That's what we're used to. It's become so easy for the twins. They have to have yeah. theme weeks to keep themselves entertained. <laughs> in America. Exactly. It's shutout week, but you know, no, no individual shutouts like we were just talking about. So here's my trivia question: Since Johan departed, only three twins have thrown multiple shutouts in the same season. Meaning they had to be complete games, right? Three twins, multiple shutouts in the same season. Post Johan. Um, Liriano had a yes. no hitter, and I'm going to assume another one. So Liriano's one of them. Okay. This is going to. This three? Wow. Is, is Liriano I'm one of them? I'm amazed there are three. What? Wow. Yeah. We're already out. Really? Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was a good guess. He threw one shutout in 2011. I can't find any other than that. Uh, well,. Carl Pavano is one of the only guys that was capable of pitching that deep into games for the Twins say in the Pavano, postseason. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, he's one of them. Is Scott okay. Baker in there? 2010, he's one of them. Scotty Baker rarely went beyond seven innings, but the pickings are pretty slim here. Well, let's work our way backwards. Okay. Did Actually, can I ask a, a leading question since we already whiffed on this? <laughs> are there any, like, Whatever. really Permission obscure names? Hostile. How, how obscure do the names get on this list, the, the two remaining? Uh, one of them won't be on the tip of your tongue. I'll put it that way. I feel like Scott Diamond did this. R.A. Dickey? <laughs> no, R.A. Dickey wasn't good here. No, he wasn't. No, he found it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Scott Diamond threw a shutout, but not multiple shutouts. Okay. All right. Um, who, who are not the... I mean, oh, Irvin obscure. Santana. Irvin Santana had to have been one. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Three of them in 2017. That was a mere two years ago. Did he really? So the other one is not a not a top of mind the, guy. The other one deeper in the rearview mirror. But you know, like you, hey, Phil, you know him well. A great guy, but um, great guy, but no surprise you. <laughs> Fantastic um, guy. You know but you who wouldn't it, guess him. You know who it may have been. If I'm going, great guy, rearview mirror, yeah. Nick Blackburn. <laughs> wow. He was a horse for two years for the Twins. Well, that's, yeah, that, laugh from Jason, out, that laugh from Jason Stark was all... Yeah, the I, laugh said it all. I don't know. This is a, I don't know. This was a tough one, Jason. Who's the third guy? Okay, the third guy... We give up. Is your friend and mine, Kevin 
Slowey. What? Oh, okay. I would 2008. Not. It had uh, two of them. Kevin Slowey. <laughs> I ne- honestly, Kevin Slowey was so good the first time through the order. For if you go pull up his splits and look at Kevin Slowey the first two trips and the third trip, and that's why he's not a major league pitcher anymore. So that surprises me. I mean, they weren't exactly like 17 strikeout game shutouts. No, <laughs> no. But they um, count. Good stuff. All right. Jason Stark won. Uh, Mackie and Joey Romney, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you did a very good job. Good work. Uh, what can people find from you? What's the latest from you on theathletic.com slash MLB? Well, I, my current, my most recent piece is a, is a sad one. Um, David Montgomery, uh, longtime president of the Phillies, uh, passed away today, and I have a remembrance of him. But uh, coming up in a couple of days, I have a piece with some of the most astounding Christian Yelich facts you have ever seen anywhere. Jason, is is he ever going to regress or come back down to earth, or is he just as good? Is he, is he Barry Bonds? If he doesn't come back to earth, <laughs> he's Ruth and Bonds. That's basically what the numbers show. Wow. Uh, nobody... What he has done since the All-Star break last year is Ruthian and Bonzian. Now, you could make a case for some other people here and there, depending on what's, what combination of stats you want to pick through, and that's kind of what I did. But I, you keep coming back to those names, Ruth, Bonds. I threw Rogers Hornsby in there. Garver, Mitch Garver. You know, Robbie Grossman's name Robbie didn't come Grossman, up. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> yeah. it always comes up. <laughs> of course. Yep. All right, Jason, great stuff. We'll talk next week. Really fun, guys. Thanks. All right, Jason Stark from the Athletic and MLB Network. Actually, uh, they both have the same OPS within a couple points, Mitch Garver and Christian Yelich. Oh, Which, yeah. It's more of a playing time gap between the two. Right. If, if Garver No question, had, same guy. If you doubled the plate appearances, they'd both have 15 home runs. I mean, right come now, on. Just so people know. Like, like Mitch Garver isn't in the same class as Christian Yelich. Come on. Yeah. These people will find out. <laughs> uh, what, are we, uh, what are we ranking when I we come back here, Robbie? I can't say that and not laugh. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.